This is the Team Performance Podcast, where we explore issues at the heart of leadership, team development, and organizational culture. I'm your host, Mark Gilroy, and in this episode, we're joined by Andy Fieldhouse, author of Getting Teamwork Right and a Systems Coaching Expert. In this episode, Andy shares some of his favorite stories from the team coaching field, including his views on the biggest superpower a leader can have, how his experiences as an expat child shaped his coaching journey, and how working with teams is a bit like white water rafting. Welcome back to the Team Performance Podcast. And today I am delighted to be joined by Andy Fieldhouse. So Andy is an ICF certified team coach. He's author of a best-selling book, Getting Teamwork Right, and founder of a company, The Team Space, which helps organizations build happy and successful teams through team coaching and team building programs. Now, Andy, you're originally from the UK, aren't you? But you're based elsewhere. Yep, that's right. And thanks for having me on today. Um, so yeah, I'm from the UK, but I've, I've actually spent more of my life, if you add up the days, living outside the UK than inside the UK. Um, and yeah. I'm currently, I've been here in the UAE, in Dubai and Abu Dhabi for the last uh, nearly 16 years. Well, I think definitely we'll have to touch on some of the differences you found with working across cultures and across uh, some of those different dynamics that, that teams can bring. Sure, um, yeah. But yeah, thanks, thanks for being with us. I, maybe a good place to start is with a, a bit about your leadership journey. Can you, can you say a bit more about what leadership has been and is for you? Yeah, I, 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 I you know, will smash the fourth wall and say that I did have advance warning of this question. And it, it, really, it was really interesting to think about it, to be honest. Um, and, and especially because I, I work with a lot of leaders, I talk a lot about leadership and, and how it's changing. And, and it's chalk and cheese, really, to when I was a kid and when I was younger, you know, starting out in, in, in the world of work. Um, but it really made me think about some of the leadership lessons from when I was, you know, sort of a teenager or, or even younger. Um, and and also the fact that a lot of it was just you just picked it up. You weren't really specifically taught leadership necessarily. Um, and, and I I, I had the example of you know the example of leadership how how leaders lead by what they do uh, and often without thinking about it. Uh, and I had a teacher when I was. Oh, 10, 11, that kind of age, you know, uh, Mr. Hughes, Ken Hughes, my geography teacher. And I think teachers are often a lot of people's first experience of leadership. Um, and he, he, you know, just a wonderful guy, great example, stuck up for me in difficult times, you know, just a really, you know, looking back now, I can draw the lessons of how he did it. Um, and I was, I also, uh, at, uh, you know, later in my teenage years was in the cadets, CCF at school. So that was obviously all, a lot about leadership. And, and, and um, I remember one specific lesson when we were trying to do like an obstacle course. And, and one of them, one of my um, school friends had been appointed as the leader for that exercise. And, and he dove straight in to kind of fix this issue with some ropes that were tangled. And, uh, you know, it was debriefed and, and the, the instructor said, as a leader, you've got to kind of keep your head up and see the bigger picture and, and don't just feel like you've got to dive straight in. So there, there were things like that, 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 um, that you know, there were specific uh, lessons, but the rest of it, you kind of figure it out and pick it up. And, and um, I think that happens for a lot of leaders. You just exp you're promoted by time served into a leadership position. You know, I've been here longer, so I'm going to be the next leader and, and you're not necessarily equipped. Um, so I think it's, you know, um, it, it's a big and important thing to equip leaders uh, with the right 
tools, techniques, skills, uh, abilities, which you can learn. You know, you don't have to have it innately, um, uh, so that they, you know, that they can lead teams effectively. Yeah, I, I think it's so fascinating that so many people, when asked about their first experience of leadership, go end up going back to school and thinking about teachers, and yet we don't get talk, taught anything about the process of leadership or the kind of the, the skills that are associated with leadership as part of our traditional schooling. I think it's a great shame because you're right, people just sort of stumble into it, don't they? They sort of stumble into leadership by guesswork, a bit of osmosis, a bit of, yeah. I'll take a bit from here and a bit from here from kind of exemplars that I've I've come across in my life so far. And, and over time, you kind of develop a, an understanding of it, what it is and isn't, and also your own style becomes a bit of a blend of everything that shaped you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And not everyone is going to be a leader. Not everyone wants to be. So it's not on the curriculum. You know, it's, you know, it's more important that it's reading and writing and things like that, obviously. But, mm. but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's what, you know, it's why, partly why I wrote the book really for, for my children to kind of give my children advice. Um, mm. and that, that's who I spoke to when I wrote it. The voice I was speaking was imagine my children uh, at the age of like 18 or 19 going out into the world, 21 after university, whatever, and, and saying, okay, guys, here's the things you haven't been taught about teamwork and, and leadership. And, and how would I say that? Because I didn't want it to be a book that was academic or difficult or intellectual. You know, it's like a practical guide to building great teams and leading leading a good team. So so I hope that, that you know, that's that's my ambition, that maybe it helps leaders who, who are picking it up. You know, they've just been promoted or... You know that they haven't been doing it for very long and it's kind of a nice way that they can have an approachable easy read um and you know maybe my children when they are that age will pick it up if they if they aren't fed up with old dad by then <laughs> don't listen to him <laughs> yeah it's a nice thing to be able to have isn't it i think have a have a bit of a roadmap for leadership i think there's um there's all sorts of stuff that gets in the way when, when if if you're the sort of person who's kind of been stumbled across uh, stumbled upon leadership and uh, maybe has had it bestowed upon them by somebody because of time served like you say or in the case of family businesses you happen to yeah. be the eldest is is a classic one um yeah. and and sometimes with that can mean that people don't feel comfortable asking for help because it it involves challenging that that sense of oh maybe maybe i maybe i wasn't the right choice or maybe there is more that i need to know about this other than the fact that i have done the most time or i am the eldest sibling in the family yeah um so ha being able to have a have a simple and straightforward guide and a roadmap to follow and like you say it is it's it is a set of skills that can be picked up yeah um it is it's enormously helpful and and, and sadly I've just written a blog post. I just published a blog on this um, just now. The the concept of, you know, labouring under the misapprehension as a leader that you have to be a leader and strong and yeah. you know powerful and knowledgeable and infallible and can't make a mistake and lack of vulnerability and it is just wrong and it needs to be stopped. I mean, this is how I was taught as you know. That's what you you know the osmosis of leadership in the late twentieth century. It was inherited from a hundred years previously, and and it's just not right. Uh, and um, you know, it, you can only lead in the way that you lead. Leadership is individual. You just take the, you just give it your best shot, and um, and it, it's all right if you make a mistake. Uh, and so, if you don't know, it's all right to put your hand up. And, and the example I use in the, the post I just wrote, I, I was working with a team 
a year or so ago, um, senior team in the business, the business has been tasked, uh, well, the team had been tasked with leading the growth of the company and taking it from $4 billion to $10 billion. I mean, a huge, huge job ahead of them. And they got in a room with the beginning of this journey to sort of really cement the team and get my help with that. And we did an exercise around being comfortable speaking up and, and everyone could write post-it notes, answers to questions and put them on the paper. And one of the questions was, what is causing you anxiety or fear? And, um, mm. you know, people could answer that, depend, you know, didn't have to, um, but they did. And one of the post-its that was written said, am I the right leader? And so I immediately noticed this and was like, wow, that's obviously come from the team leader. So I, I said to her, do you mind if I draw some attention to that? And, and she said, that's exactly why I put it up there. <laughs> and so everyone sat down and I said, let's talk about this one. And I just read it out and let, let it sort of go to the team. And um, she said, oh, yeah, okay, well, obviously that's mine. And, and then she started to articulate, you know, um, I, I'm, I, I worry. I mean, we've got this huge task and I, I just sometimes I w lie awake at night and, you know, imposter syndrome. I don't know if I have I got the right stuff, you know, all of this kind of wow. stuff, which everyone has, everyone thinks. But as a leader, we're so often just like, no, 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 I can't, can't express that. And, and this is the counterintuitive nature of vulnerability that everyone thinks it's a weakness, but it's the biggest leadership superpower. To be vulnerable actually creates a reaction. And, and it, it is one of these things that is, at a, and I see a lot of human behavior in, in the coaching room. And I see things that, that transcend leadership, hierarchy, culture, experience, age, sex, you know, whatever, whoever you are, you're a human animal. And once we are committed to the group or the team or the community that we choose to be on, it comes with a, with a kind of, you know, a need and, and a way of doing things that is that is that is um, deeply instinctive, and we will support the vulnerable in our group. That's what we do. And so, rather than being laughed at or being judged or anything else, actually, what happens is is a leaning in, is a support. And this is what happened in this room: is that people almost physically, as you know, you, and as a coach, you, you're tuning into this kind of stuff, so you're really hyper noticing. And there was, it was almost like the, the group started to kind of get round her almost. And mm. then when she stopped talking, they did. They kind of supported. And said, no, 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 wait a minute. You, you, we believe in you. You know, you, you have got this stuff and, you know, affirmation and wow. support. And, and, and it, was, it, was the, it was the pivotal moment of that session that kind of tipped them towards something, you know, even greater. And, and you know, that was the power. Um, and, and that's the kind of thing, you, you know, you've got to overcome your uh, inherited bias about leadership and, and, and just be prepared to put yourself out there yeah i think the the age of the bulletproof leader is is long gone and it has to be because it, it they're promotes... all still out there they're still they're out, out there, there. yeah <laughs> because they they you can see well we'll, we'll we'll probably talk about systems later on because i know you know your your whole approach is about looking at things systemically but that that idea of having having leaders who are completely infallible and bulletproof and, and never make mistakes or or worse still they they make well they make all kinds of mistakes and hide them. Um, it promotes a culture of that just happening as as a standard and history will repeat itself. Whereas I love that. Mo the moment you described there would probably be a beautiful kind of pattern interrupt where that leaning in um, created the tone that everyone could then follow. I've seen that happen before as well, where pe people, even just a, a really small and nuanced question like, can I ask 
can I ask you for some advice around that? It conveys so much in terms of vulnerability rather than just or, that or, I'd like or, your advice. The, the kind of, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big, big believer in the rule of three. It's a great way, you know, if you're ever trying to, you know, create, create an idea or, you know, cement an idea, you know, the, the power of three, three great words, you know, three great words for leaders. You know, one is three of them are tell me more, you mm. know, or never accept the first answer. Tell me more if, you know, if you've got time. And the other is, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's all right. Don't try and make it up. If you don't know, ask them. They probably know more than you do about certain things. Um, you know, um, so yeah, don't be afraid to say you don't know as a leader. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, well, I love those. And I, I don't, they work in all kinds of forms of life. I'm thinking about from a parenting perspective as well. I yeah. say that to, I, I try and say that to my kids as often as possible because of course, de facto, they're, they're the ones that you, that look up to you and they think you know everything. I always find it amazing that they could think that you could know all of these things. Um, and, and, and saying, I don't know is is a really important thing, I think, to to be able to share with with all with all kinds of people. In a variety of scenarios. I have a seven and a nine year old, and you know, you're a, you are a leader and a teacher, you know, and a referee. <laughs> and um, uh, uh, but one of the things that my wife was telling you know telling me, and she's very good at this kind of stuff to to point out to me is show your children that you make mistakes. You know, that you are imperfect so that they don't feel that they have to be perfect. My daughter in particular worries a lot about, like, you know, she's inherited the gene from me about caring too much about how other people think about you. Uh, and, and you know, it's important that she learns that she's never going to be perfect. And, and you know, you can you can only show that by example at this kind of age. So it, mm. I, brought, I, met, I had a small, small prang in my car, my little, you know, reversed into someone by accident. And, you know, I was made sure I went I went to, to the kids. Hey, guys, I made a mistake today. I, I, I reversed the car out of the carport and hit someone, hit another car. You know, I, but I framed it as I made a mistake. I got it wrong. But it's all right. We're going to fix it. So, you know, it's important to do that. Before we get into your team coaching journey and and what that's brought to your approach in the development space, you mentioned just a second ago about um, a quality that you have around caring too much about what other people think. How has, <laughs> yes. how has that shaped your approach when it comes to working with teams and leaders? Okay, Um a hugely um, makes me very good at what I do, if I may say so myself. Um, mm. But but it is a you know it's 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 the blessing and a curse, right? Um, um, and I, I you know I know where it comes from. I I, I know you know why uh, why it exists. Um, essentially, and, and it's, I suppose this is my origin story. And when you've, you know, we're kind of jumping ahead to the next question about you know why team coaching and all that kind of stuff. It goes back to my childhood, and, and um, I was an expat kid. Uh, my father was a British Airways country manager, so we moved around the world, you know, different countries every th three years. So I had to go back to boarding school in the UK. Um, and, um, you know, as an eight-year-old, this was a very traumatic experience, um, being separated from your loving family and placed into a perfectly nice school with lovely teachers, but a long way from, from your, you know, your comfort zone. And, you, and, you know, you're just not equipped at that age to be able to emotionally process that. Mm -hmm. And you quickly work out that you just have to, you know, fit in and find coping mechanisms and learn the skills that you need to learn. And um, and be the grey man because anyone who looked and sounded remotely different to everyone else was immediately picked out of the crowd, and so you just you just fit it in as best you can. And I guess what it what it 
what it gave me was a sense of how how um you know difficult it is when you are part of something but you're not you know you're in something you know a school or or a team or whatever it might be but you don't really feel like you belong you don't know how to act you feel like you're being you know judged at every turn um you hesitate you fight flight freeze you know all of this kind of stuff and and it, and you know and I've worked to this all out looking back on my life that then I spent my life trying to belong and I and I joined companies and played sports and did things that that allowed me the opportunity to be part of great teams and to and to see the contrast and feel the contrast between that ex, that experience at an early age and later on just the amazing things that happen when you when you are with people with high trust and you're focused on a goal and you know what you're there to do and you're achieving things and for me the, the you know the, the, that's why I chose rugby as a sport that I played for 25 years because because of the physical danger nature of it i think also looking back that that it gives you an almost like a heightened you know sense of teamwork and belonging and camaraderie and ethos because mm. it's physically dangerous relatively speaking mm. and and so those moments in the changing room looking people in the eye and kind of going you know we're going out there and just knowing that they're going to do it for you and you'll do it for them and you know it's it's magic right so so um so that that really made me kind of look at working with teams and 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 your question around you know empathy and 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 caring too much is is the point is that, that I, I i never want to let people down i don't want them to you know for to not like me because to, please don't please don't make me alone again you know don't don't mm. let me be lonely don't let me be alone um I, i'll do anything you know to avoid that and and so it it is great because it means that i care deeply about the experience of working with the people i work with um but it also means that in some walks of life and some things that i do that that um can can be difficult i can be slow to make a decision for example um as a leader when i was a leading leading a team and you had to discipline people who made mistakes oh it's tough i had to fire somebody who had stolen from the company and you know clear cut cut and dried i mean we you know she was lucky we didn't call the police um, and I still found that the most hard thing to do and lay awake at night the night before thinking, oh, my God, I've got to, I've got to go and do this thing and what's she going to... doesn't matter. Yeah. She, you know, other people are like, what are you doing? <laughs> She's gone. Get rid of her. She'd stole money, you know. But but I have a problem with that. So, so you know, and it's a, you know, it's a work in progress. You know, I, 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 you know, I'm aware of it, but it still, you know, it still shows up for me as a, as a thing. Um, but, I, you know, I, I, I lean on it as a coach. Uh, yeah, I can see that. And and I and hey, you know, you were talking earlier on about, you know, if you strip away the idea of being a leader and 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 all these kind of little identities that we carry around with us in our work in the workplace, fundamentally, we are carrying around with us all of this lasting evolutional history of being members of tribes that hasn't gone away. That's 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 a huge part of our our yeah. our kind of DNA and our need to belong is so primal i mean it's um, a survival thing mm. for, for millions of years for most of our existence our dna was look at look at the herd animals on the serengeti plains you know mm. uh, if you if you convoys in the second world war because this works as a tactic to stick together and be together mm. you know increases your chances or, or decreases rather your chances of being the one that is attacked and picked out picked out so 
So it's instinctive, you know, to belong and 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 to be part of a group. And, and but then you know, so take that from an animalistic survival point of view, one, and then you kind of go up the Maslow's hierarchy into, you know, actualization and all this kind of stuff. And 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 it feels nice, you know. Why 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 do we why do we use solitary confinement as the most extreme form of non physical punishment? Right? It's it's this psychologically damaging. To, to be alone, to, to separate humans from other humans. We, you know, we need, not only do we want it, we need it. We need that companionship and that belonging um, at, at a very, very instinctive, deep level. And, and yet there's this paradox that comes with the kind of bulletproof leader we were talking about a second ago, where is this kind of self-imposed isolation that can take place where yeah. I, I'm, I mustn't keep anyone too close to me because they might yeah. find out I don't want to know, know what I'm doing or that I don't feel like I'm, I've earned this position or yeah. that I need help. Um, yeah. And it's, it, it's, I always find that such an unusual, yeah, paradox that, that we... Well, it, in, in, I think it's, a, I think it's in the book. I think it's one of the chapters in the beginning of the book is I think, yeah, there you go. Look, chapter one. <laughs> the, te the teamwork paradox. The mm. teamwork paradox. The point that, that where we we are we are creating all these wonderful ways of connecting and technology and all this lovely stuff and 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 yet it's like it's like this. We're actually getting further away from each other, and mm. I feel like we're putting up more barriers, or, or we're still not getting it right in terms of how we how we interact, connect, build culture, and you know, cre create teams that that are full of people who want to be there you know it's, it's getting harder if if anything and this is this is the point this is why my work i feel my work is necessary in the world um that, that it is important that we consciously um notice that and and overcome these barriers like you know leadership uh, um you know he hero worship and 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 um you know um bringing people from different cultures together to create a common language and a common kind of way of doing things, you know, in teams. I'm really interested to know a bit more about what your observations and, and lessons have been from working across cultures. Before we get into that, can we talk about team coaching and, and kind of why, why did you choose to go down that route? I know you're a certified team coach. Yeah. Many people are kind of trained as, um, as coaches and then never take that, other step to go into working with teams in that in that way but um yeah what 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 was it about team coaching that drew you to that yeah i think the 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 route into team level relationship level systemic coaching um a lot of people come from another discipline of coaching so they they might be or or like scrum or agile work is one route in for the, or or they're working on the on the business principles and 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 i i mean i do do that but you know, I'm working more on the relationship, the human culture kind of aspect of it. Um, so they're either coming in from a business coaching or they're coming in from a one-to-one -on -one -to -one leadership executive life coaching angle where they're working with individuals. I, I came from a fairly unique kind of route in that um, I was, I'm was i team specialist. I've never done one-to-one. -one, I've never done business coaching. All I've ever done is work with teams. And I started here in the UAE 16 years ago um, in team building activities your typical kind of ropes and planks, uh, paint a picture, build a boat, um, build a bridge, uh, make a movie, you know, typical kind of team yep. building activity stuff. And I did that for a long time, uh, 10, 10 or so years and, and um, you know, learned a lot. It was fascinating working with all these teams, seeing how they work, seeing the issues, challenges, strengths, weaknesses, all that kind of stuff. And then uh, I left that job, 
2016 and it was kind of like what do I do next and um, an old colleague contacted me and said hey I see you, you you've left where, 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 what's up and, and I said well I'm just you know, looking for the next thing and and she said you know it's funny how the universe kind of answers your you know you don't know where the answer is going to come from but it, once you open your mind to these things they, they come along and, and she mm. said have you considered coaching as, as a th coaching at a team level team level and I was like no, what is that? And and just so happened that she she trained team coaches. Um, so I said, okay, I'll, I'll go on the introductory weekend, and and off I went on this kind of coaching journey. And and uh, even just that two day introductory course was was transformational in terms of the approach. It was so different and unique, and hadn't thought of doing it this way. And and um, I, I I always use the example of a a team building event that I ran for a client because ultimately people want you to help change how they're working and it's complex because it's multiple people and um we used to do all this team building stuff which which is great it has a place as you know great for building relationships great for having some fun all that kind of stuff but does it really does it really get them to change as a team and, and i did this a team building with a company that um about 50 people and then they came to us saying we, we've got some problems and, you know we, we've got conflict with a lack of clarity politics blame you know so, Ooh, okay well let's do team building and we did a great day it was lots of fun it was the it was on a friday i ran it and at the end of the day i said thanks for coming hope you've enjoyed it hope you've learned something yes it's been fantastic round of applause everyone's walking out i'm walking out behind these two ladies and one of them turns to the other and says you know what in the end that was okay wasn't it and, and, and so I kind of took that as a, all right, well, she's arrived as a cynic and she's going out, okay, right, tick. The other one replies and says, um, yeah, it was good, but we are all still going to hate each other on Monday. And, and I'm like, whoa, so nothing, nothing's going to change. Uh, and and the, the, the coaching for me was the answer to that problem in, in, in that it gets people to a place where they can talk about what's really going on. Because team building, you, you take them away from being the, who they are and you take them over here and pretend to be a different team, a boat builder or a picture painter. And, yeah, great, and you'll learn some lessons about teamwork. But if you're not really talking about what that means for you as a team and what's really going on, is it going to change? So, so I, went, you know, uh, I went on the courses. I, um, the the, the, the programme that I trained in, and there are different ones, you know, you know many different ways of looking at uh, team relationships, but... Um, I, I, I'm certified in organization and relationship systems coaching, ORSC, uh, which is accredited by the ICF. So that's that's the route, and that's what I can talk about. I haven't done another coach, team coaching training yet. So, um, you know, that's the, the, you know, I blend the ORSC kind of methods and ways with my own kind of experience of leading teams. I tell my stories uh, as part of the process as well. So how does... So for anyone who's listening in, who's is interested in maybe going down that route themselves, how does team coaching with something like ORSC differ from something like deep, deep facilitation? So I think a lot of people kind of graduate from, say, something like training, where you come prepared with a with an agenda, you're going to do exercise yeah. one at this, at this point, and it doesn't really matter what's going on in the room or what discussions they're having whilst they're having coffee or, or even what's going on under the surface, um, because you've got an agenda and everyone's going to have some fun and and we'll we'll have a round of applause at the end, we'll fill in some happy sheets and then everyone will go back to normal. And then there's a graduation from maybe stepping beyond that and maybe creating some different space for people to have 
some open conversations and then, you know, facilitating those discussions in a way that helps people move forward in their thinking. So how how is team coaching different from, from say, just a sort of deeper level of facilitation without lots of agendas or discussions, or sorry, exercises, for example? I think... Hmm. It's, it's it's probably it's similar to deep facilitation in in your definition. So going back to the training analogy, it's it's very different to training because yeah. you know um, it's it, it's not following an, necessarily. And yeah, yes, you have to have an agenda for your session, but you there's no manual. It's not like you're saying do it this way. This is the only way to do it. Yeah. Um, um, I think I think so. Coach, certainly at least the, the systemic approach is that your client is the system or the team itself. It is, the, it is not the individuals within it. You're, you, you're not kind of coaching or working with the individuals. You're working at a systemic level and you're taught to kind of read that system energy, system kind of entity and relationship um, that, it, that exists. And, and that's what you're working with. And so, so, so you're doing things to try and, try and kind of... Um, notice that energy work with it um some of the fundamental beliefs of, of orsk methods are um the need to listen to the voices of the system um, which is the voices that are present some that may not even be present in the, in the room um talk sometimes about ghost roles which are those events or individuals who have an impact on the system sorry i keep touching the microphone um the the um those pe those things that have an impact on the system that may not be in the room so that's you know that's another concept that i don't think you'd find in deep facilitation or training to kind mm. of True. I'm working. I'm working with a. Here's a particular, you know, typical kind of. Well, not typical, but I'm working with a client on Friday, uh, which is a family business from Angola who are here in the UAE um, for a visit, and and um, you've got the dynamic of a leadership leadership team of multiple businesses uh, who are all related to each other, um, you know, brothers brothers-in-laws, cousins. Um, um, and and uh, one of the family members died a, a year or two ago, uh, and for me, when they give me that brief, I'm listening to that, and then, oh, I'm curious, with no judgment, I'm curious as to what what that is playing out into this system's existence, mm. uh, and that is that would be a, a a ghost in the system, you know, um, a, a mm. previous member, close member of the family who has mm. passed away. So you're you're looking to work yeah. with that and 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 kind of you know see. I mean, I'm not going to you know maybe it's fine. Maybe maybe they're all fine with it. Maybe not. Um, so so you you've got things like that that you're looking at. You're working with the system. You're listening to the voices. You want to promote a deep democracy, which is allowing expression. Um, your job is to be a mirror to the system um, at, at a systemic level. You're noticing, you know, why are we hearing more from that voice than those voices? And, 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 you, and you're not there to, you, you know, to kind of judge that or pick on that and say, why haven't you said anything? You're very quiet. You'd more use the kind of question of, I'm noticing, you know, here's the mirror, right? I, I'm noticing I'm he we're hearing from some voices more than others. Um, why is that? Um, and and I, I would love to encourage more voices to be expressed because it's really important that we hear from everybody. Mm. Um, and and I, I came from a kind of team building, from a training and development background where um, I was used to the do it this way. Here's how to be a high-performing team. And one of the really big transition lessons I had to learn and practice was was not to step in with an answer because we know that the system or the team itself is naturally creative, resourceful and intelligent. 
it may just not know it yet. It may not know what the right answer is for itself, but you aren't there to give it the answer. And, and I guess this is where you blend as a coach between coach and maybe mentor or facilitator. Um, and, and that's fine. Um, where sometimes they do need a bit of encouragement and you might say, well, how, have you thought about this? And you can mm. try that just as suggestions, but the ability to know that they will find the, the, the way you've just got to, uh, you've got to allow them to do it. And I think that's one of the really, really strong skills of a, of a rela relationship coach is, is stay true to that, that the relationship will find a way. You are there to help yeah. change the frame, change the energy, explore in different ways. Um, we use a lot of movement, a lot of standing up, a lot of, a lot of, you know, position. You know, geographical position is really, really important in team coaching of where they stand. You know, get get them up, shake it off, move them around. You know, it'll it'll elicit new information and awareness, which is what you're trying to do. Just put more information on the table for them to play with and, and, and work out. Uh, and even, even, you know, the, even learning where you stand, how you, uh, how you show up as a coach, you know, where even the a subtle turn of the shoulders or eye contact, you know, too much one way or the other can, can really make an, a, a, you know, an impact. So it's, 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 it's not, e it's not, it's not easy. <laughs> sometimes yes. yeah and i think i think that's the thing isn't it where you've got i can imagine from a client's perspective if they're used to having very traditional team building activities and suddenly they're presented with this option of okay so this is going to be a space where we're going to explore some issues we don't know what they are right yet that that could be potentially quite a scary thing for a group who's really accustomed oh. to having an agenda but far and more you, far more you, empowering for them to own it if it, yeah, you, you're absolutely right because also a, a lot of the stuff that I, you know, the the the, the influences on ORSC training come from a wide range of different sources. Um, I apply the techniques in the corporate world with a certain corporate audience mostly. I had coaches I trained with who work with families. Work, I know someone who exclusively coaches couples going through divorce, for example. You know, the end of a system relationship. Um, and um, I trained with people, I, you know, some of my instructors work with um, um, uh, Native American tribe from a shaman point of view. I mean, you know, a, a guy who, who works with a space agency. I mean, weird and wonderful kind of mix of things. And for some people, you know, that's not easy. And some of the things are really head scratchy and trying to get your head around. If you're used to corporate life, numbers, spreadsheets, all this kind of stuff, you know, in a certain way of being, and, and, and you try and kind of throw them a bit of a touchy-feely curveball and, and whoa, I, I have some stories about some of the training I did with people who almost, almost, you know, they're, you know, the kind of physically exploring different personas and it was very strange. Yeah. <laughs> as an experience and not for me and, and that's another thing as a coach you, you you've got to show up as, as you as a coach mm. and and some of the stuff that I trained in I felt uncomfortable with and didn't really get it or and I don't tend to use it um, and that's one of my you know one of my edges as a coach that I I should over you know overcome is, is to explore that because that might be the right thing for that client and I, if you know if it makes me uncomfortable doesn't mean it's uncomfortable for them so, so you should, you know, be aware of that and, and you know, working with, with teams who are used to being a certain way, by pushing them, you know, encouragingly into a different frame or a different experience, 
um, different way of thinking, you know, left brain, right brain, creative, you know, it's like, oh, what's this? Yeah, that's deliberate. That's why we're doing it. It's meant to be uncomfortable because that's mm. where the information is. And by and you know if we if we if we just plow the same furrow day in day out like they do at work just doing the same thing, the point of the coaching is to is to disrupt and mix things up and you know give them some different ways of looking at things and and mm. and that's where some of the magic can come. Yeah, you know you you make me think about someone I used to work with who was who was actually um, they trained as a teacher then became a trainer trainer and really struggled with the, the kind of the work that required lots more facilitation. And the, the, the key reason that they struggled is because they used to spend hours and hours and hours preparing for, for workshops. And I used to try, in my, in my, in my efforts at kind of sort of mentoring and, and coaching that used to really try and challenge that and push back around that and say, well, you, you why you don't need to do that because your, your ability is here. Your confidence is here. What, what seems to be going on here and uh, as it turns out they, they were just incredibly incredibly anxious that, that somebody might ask them a question in the room in front of everybody else that they didn't know the answer to yeah, that, yeah, was yeah. The, that was the source it was actually having to prepare for anything that could come up and you know my my take on that was always it actually doesn't matter because you're not the person who's supposed to hold all the answers in that space, the group have it and you can just pull that out of them using your skills and, and techniques. And yeah. that was, it was a bridge too far, I think for that, for that kind of that teaching model of, of I am an expert and I must hold yeah. everything as, and be positioned as an expert in the room. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, when you, when you like, like anything, the consciousness competence curve, right. Of your, mm. your deep consciousness of your incompetence at the beginning um, and, and as you get better and more practiced and skilled, you know, you've become unconscious of your ability and that's what happens mm. with anything. And I remember as a coach being really attached to the, the, the guidebook, you know, it's called the dojo. It's like the summary of all the tools and techniques of an horse coach. And, you know, I carry it everywhere I go to, to a session because you never know, you might just need to refer to it, but I, used to, I needed it. I need, I needed to have that, you know, comfort zone. And, um, um, and I, I do less now, and I don't take it with me everywhere. And, and I remember, you know, again, in the, in the training, the, you know, the coaches who were training us saying, the tools are all, you know, the tools of coaching, which is, it's almost like, do it this way, here are the steps to follow, say this, do that, set them up. That's, you know, eventually you get to the stage where you can just walk into a room and you don't need your dojo, you don't need the tools, you can just start the conversation and you just know where to go and how... And then, mm. oh yeah, well, let's try this. Let's try that. And 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 you know, it's it's not about the guidebook or the manual or the the prep. Um, yeah, mm. yes, you do. You still need to do that. But but really good coaches could just walk into a room and start if you had to. Uh, and they're better I, for it, I, I think, isn't it? When, when when you're starting from a blank sheet with no expectations or. Well, having yeah, said, well, what you mean. There's, there's, the plan, say, there's the planning piece. It is important to plan, but not plan how things are going to go necessarily. Yes, do not be attached to an outcome. Mm. Assessment is important. You know, you need to assess. You need to know as much as you can before you get in the room, so you just know what might happen. But don't be attached to an outcome. Be prepared to rip up the agenda at a moment's notice because things things are going to show up. And yeah. and the other really important thing is I remember doing the training, and at one point, like halfway through. It, it kind of, it kind of, the cogs kind of click at different times for people, 
and you have to go through moments where you doubt the process and, and you're like, am I doing the right thing here? This stuff's weird. But, you know, no, no. It, it, and and they, they say in the, in the training, they say it won't make sense today. It'll make sense in two days' time when we get to the end, when we get to the end of this. Yeah. And, and it does. And, and, and I remember a moment where I, I, it all started to click into place for me at that particular moment. And, I, and there were like 20 of, us, 20 of us training and in the, in the room. And I just went, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on, guys. I'm, 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 just, I'm, I'm getting it. I get it. And, I, and I, I am feeling a tremendous sense of power with this stuff. It's, a, what, it's incredible what you can create and do and make people think just by putting words in a certain order. I, I was gob, it was like bang. And I said, I feel this power and, and I feel that with tremendous power comes great responsibility mm. and, and to wield it correctly. And, and then the worry that you are going to break the system. And, and I said that, I said, but what if I get it wrong? What if, you know, imposter syndrome, blah, 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 consciousness, competence, in, incompetent. What if I say the wrong thing? What if I, and, and they said, <laughs> you cannot break the system. You are not going to be deliberately a saboteur. That's, that's not what you do as a coach. And therefore you can't get it wrong. Um, you may not be able, what you might do is not quite get it deep enough. But you can't say the wrong thing in the coaching room as, as a team mm. coach as long as you're not there deliberately trying to break them. You won't get it. You might just miss some stuff. And that was tremendously comforting when you first, you know, baby steps as a coach going with your first teams and, <gasps> you know. Um, yeah. I've, got, I've got a really cheesy analogy to share with you on that front. It's making me think about, um, you, may, you may already have, have used this one yourself. So do you know, do you know how pearls are made? And uh, yeah, go on. Yeah, I've heard something. Yeah, go on. I might have heard this. <laughs> I hope this is true. If anyone's if anyone's listening and this isn't exactly what happens, then feel free. Don't they to come out it. of unicorns' butts? <laughs> <laughs> By the bucket load, of course they do. Um, I, <laughs> it when 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 the the the, um, the marine versions uh, of of pearls, as the story goes, as, as, as I understand it, they um, they don't come from oysters. Certainly not oysters who haven't been kind of seeded or uh, whatever. Yeah, so it's a piece of grit, isn't it? Isn't it a piece of sand? That's that... it. Yeah, grit. Yeah. So grit kind of works its way. Little pieces of sand and grit work its way into the oyster, and the oyster responds by creating this kind of protective goo inside itself that protects itself from the grit. And it's from the combination of the grit and this protective goo that the pearls are formed over time. And I think sometimes that's that's kind of our role, isn't it, in that space of whether it's facilitation or team coaching, is is that you have permission if if it needs it, if the system needs it, to be that grit and and provide that provocation, whether it's a question or maybe a little gentle prod, to say, what do you think about this? And then the system will usually respond by reaching out to protect itself mm. from from any kind of invasion but from that interaction then these pearls maybe of wisdom are formed and the system yeah. is able to change as a result yeah and you're right you know sometimes as a coach you you you, you niggle and needle and you know obviously respectfully and politely mm -hmm. but you know uh, you contract with the team or the system before you start you know the first thing you do is to is to how should we be in this room? How should you be with each other? How would you like me to be with you? So there's guidance for each of you on, on you know, mm -hmm. 
and 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 you know and sometimes it is challenge you know quite often they say challenge us you know push us and, and i always say are you sure because <laughs> i will mm -hmm. do that if you want me to but be sure oh okay yeah and that that gives you permission to to you know um to to not let them off the hook sometimes you've got to be really careful you don't want to annoy people but but sometimes you know the the teams in in the room are are in a coaching experience are it's a it's an edge it's an edge process and it's edge edge theory is part of the coaching thing and to try and try and explain it briefly is is we we exist in levels of reality primary secondary and what's called the essence the essence level is the kind of the universe you know those things that as soon as you become aware it's come out of essence it's just what is swimming around that you know like i said earlier it's amazing when you kind of think how am i going to do this and then the solution comes from somewhere that you didn't expect that's like yeah. the universe talking right um, but the primary is where you know where we are now. I'm sitting at my desk. This is happening in this moment, and the secondary is kind of like, what's the what's the future, and and what's that look like? Like, oh, I'm suddenly hungry. Where shall I get my lunch from? Hmm. And, and that's that's and that's a small edge. And then there are big edges. Like, I work with teams, for example, um, a team recently. Should we move our head office to this to to Saudi Arabia? You know, it's like, oh my god, it's unknown. It's the secondary. It's the future. And and so. You're constantly coming across these edges in the coaching room because the, because the team is is changing and emerging into some new reality, and it, that's where it wants to be. That's why we're coaching is because they want a different state than the one they're currently in, and those edges can be difficult, um, and and they can it can be hard to do, um, uh, and you and you you become aware as a coach of edge behaviour uh, for people. Mm. Which can be laughter, it can be silence, it can be tearful, aggressive, aggressive, uh, uncomfortable. You know, there's all sorts of how it manifests, and and sometimes they they don't want it, and they and they want to shut it down, or, or you know, and you have to judge whether or not you let them, or whether you say no, no, no. You said to challenge you, I'm not mm. going to let you off the hook. We're going to stay here, and and it's called the lion's roar. The lion's roar is the lion roars on the edge. And whilst it's roaring, it's information, it's awareness, it's you know there's stuff there that that it will help. And so you kind of I, I remember the analogy of a whitewater rafting. I did some whitewater rafting once, and so the, a good whitewater rafting guide can get you on these rivers into a position where the boat kind of just it's not going down the river. It suddenly gets caught on, on a kind of back wave or something, and it can kind of almost like like a rodeo riding this this wave and it's whoa but it stays the raft stays still in the river and it just sort of bucks mm. for a few seconds and before he lets you out and off you go and it's like that you get them onto the edge and you don't let them off the edge you know you kind of hold, hold them there because you know it's uncomfortable but there's information and, and and they're about to topple over into the into the secondary um and then you know you 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 can do a kind of thing of like what's called kissing them over the edge it's not literally kissing them but you can just push and ask a question or suggest or whatever boom and it, and oh, over they go it's, yeah. it's it's fascinating i love that analogy thank you for sharing that Andy. yeah it's, and it's a really I imagine for anyone who's listening who's never fully grasped what team coaching looks like or can achieve or would even feel like being part of I think you've I think you've described that really really clearly there I'm I'm going to I'm going to borrow that analogy of the raft thank you Now before we got started today we we did share with each other we probably could have an entire conversation about multicultural teams so I'm wondering whether we've we've had such a wide ranging and uh 
for, for me, full of insight conversation. Would you mind coming back another time? And we'll talk yeah. about some of your experiences yeah. with multicultural teams uh, in the UAE and elsewhere. Yes, I'd love to. Um, because I think, I think it's an important topic and, um, I've got lots of lots to share, lots of stories, lots of um, uh, examples. So yeah, I, I think it would be uh, an interesting thing to do. So I would love to come back. I, and I would love that too. Thank you. Thank you very much. Before we um, start signing off, if anyone wants to find out a bit more about what you do, maybe and get in touch with you, what's the best place for people to find you and, and do that? Um, just the, the usual, really. The website is theteamspace.com. Um, the team space um and linkedin if you just put andy fieldhouse into linkedin i'm fairly unique there aren't many of us my name's pretty unique unless you're from yorkshire where the family name is from there are more field houses in yorkshire apparently didn't know that and i am from yorkshire I've, i know plenty I know. of field houses over here thank you yeah yeah well i'll make sure i drop a link to that in the show notes along with a link to your book as well um thank, thank you. you once again andy and we'll look forward to conversation number two Take care. Indeed. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please let us know by subscribing and leaving a review on your favourite podcast app. Meanwhile, if you're interested to learn more about how the PTS approach can help you explore leadership, performance and culture within your business, get in touch with our team at performanceclimatesystem.com and we'll be happy to help. See you next time with another great guest.